This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the flagship podcast interview, everybody. Very, very excited to bring in uh, my man Rod Babers, former Longhorn, extraordinaire, All-American defensive back, played with some monsters uh, like Casey Hampton Mm. on those great defenses in the early 2000s. And Rod, we're, we're stealing you away from the Longhorn Blitz because, <laughs> well, you've got a, your career is blowing up. You're on the radio, on the Appreciate horn, that. weekdays from three to seven. You got a new co-host. That's right. Mike, you know him well. Mike Harge, who I did a show <laughs> with. Uh, congratulations on that, man. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. 20, uh, 2021 was, uh, was a crazy year for everybody. But for me, uh, I got married in 2021. So that was a big change. You know all about that. So congrats to you. All right, we can get into that a little bit later. But uh, yeah, man, that was that was uh, that was big for me. And everything seems to have been, you know, kind of on the up and up since. So uh, I'm still on a high from that. And now I got a new co-host, Ke- Kevin Dunn, went on to bigger and better things to the financial he went to the financial world. So he didn't leave me to go to another sports entertainment gig. He's uh, going to the financial world. And as you know, my man, uh, Brad Kellner, who also you know very well because you worked with Brad Kellner way back in the day. Chip Bryan's worked with everybody, by the way. Uh, I'll keep dropping that. But, um, yeah, he went to H-Town because we are, as you know, man, Brad Kellner's going to be a star. Uh, he's already big time, but one day everybody's going to know who Brad Kellner is because he's that talented. So he went to H-Town, bigger and better things. So hopefully it's right now, everybody who works with me goes on to bigger and better things. Hopefully I'm the black Sean McVay right now. You know what I mean? It's just whenever you around, Robbie, boom, you get a better job and a better gig. So now hopefully that's what it is. <laughs> or, or you just blow up and move on to bigger and better things, which I think is highly, highly possible. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, gosh, that's right. You and I both got married in 2021. How about that? Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. crazy. I mean, those (laughs) those are signs of the apocalypse type of thing. It really is, because I remember Chip Brown saying, oh, it's never going to happen again. And you know how I felt about the institution. I said, hey, man, I don't really believe in it for me. You know, it, it ain't for me. It's for other people. It ain't for me. But 2021, man, how, how do you know? Lo- love is a powerful thing, ain't it, Chip Brown? Powerful yeah. Thing. Oh, yeah. That or COVID, <laughs> something, you know. <laughs> Both. The combination. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's a beautiful thing. All right. So I I, I need I, – I want to go back in time because – Let's do it. Long before you were starring on the Longhorn Blitz and long before you were, you know, the afternoon guy on the horn, I brought you in as a co-host when um, our friend Sean Adams would go off and talk to colleges about, you know, what student athletes should get out of their athletic scholarship. Man, he was ahead of his time too. He was, he (laughs) was, yeah. (laughs) He was a hustler, man. 
Yeah, he was. I used to call him a, you know, a Jamaican. Well, he used to call himself a Jamaican cab driver because he had <laughs> 10 jobs. Uh, hustle, man. Hustle. But this, I, I believe this is true. You were, you know, filling in quite a bit with me mm -hmm. uh, on a station called uh, 1530 ESPN Radio. Yep. To the point where Mac Brown thought you should go to the zone. Pretty At the much. time was a Longhorn station. And so you got hired away. <laughs> and then your career ascended. And then you ended up back sort of with Mac Brown again, right? Yeah, I did, man. That's basically what went down. I was uh, and, and I, I appreciate it, man. You you suggested you're like, man, you should do this. You should, you should get into sports radio, man. You like to talk sports, you can talk. Uh and I, I always said, man, I can I can run fast, I can talk fast, I make careers out of them both. Uh, but thanks to you, man, I got it too. Because I was thinking about going into coaching. Uh, man, I was looking at sales and some other things. And then you gave your boy a shot on the radio. And yeah, apparently it had echoed behind the burnt orange curtain. And uh, they, I guess they had rather me work for the station that had the actual contract. And that was the Longhorn station at the time. So uh, yeah, they reached out and said, you know, we need to arrange an, a, a connection between me and gentleman Danny, I believe at the time, who was over there as a program director. And my man, Mod Brooks was already over there, I believe working too, doing some stuff. So that's when, yeah, I had to cross over because uh, the family, the family called, called your boy. So I had, I had to, I had to show up, but I, you know, I appreciate you, man. If not for you, honestly, I'd probably gone in, a, I might've gone into coaching. Hell, I've probably been, I've probably been a millionaire hired and fired by now, Chip Brown, not for you. I, I know. And that's, I, I feel badly that I dragged you into radio. Hell, I'm not even in radio anymore. I mean, it's like I got this radio tree of Rod Babers, Mike Hart, Brad Kellner. They're all still going. I'm I'm sitting over here hey. doing the uh, flagship podcast, but that's, that's fine. That's thing. fine because I got I got stuff. You know, I just, I just got married. I need to clean the house. I need to do some stuff. No doubt, no doubt. But but I I do want to get um and so everybody needs to download the the Horn FM. Uh, app yep and set app. your timer set your alarm so that you know every weekday whether you're living in hong kong or houston huh. you're listening to my man rod babers and mike harge appreciate that. on the horn from three to seven central time Shout uh, out. to get your longhorn fix because i will say this about my man rod babers and he used to do this when he would come in to co-host with me he would bring in a stack of just loose paper with notes all over it like not in a notebook oh yeah <laughs> just like that hey man and i would be like <laughs> i would i'd be like now how do you know where what's what and what's on what piece of paper and rod's like i got it man don't you worry yeah, yeah. and he he has those stacks of paper he prepares so well and that's what i love about his show is the man is prepared he's always got great nuggets I mean, I'm listening to the show the other day. He's got, you know, they were in this coverage this percent of the time and they blitzed this much. I'm like, what do you get? You got the, you got the, uh, you got the, the 22 film. What? No, I mean, no, man, your boy watch. I, I break it down, man. I watch it. I, I, I got, I got some connections over there, but I, I watch the film man. I watch it. I break it down. My, my wife is upset because on the DVR right now, I still got all the games on the DVR. Every last one of them. And I'll go back and watch and start breaking down one specific personnel package or one specific formation or 
You know what I mean? And, and then she'll be like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm watching for three by ones um, and how often they use them and if they increased it and decreased it. And she goes, you are insane. Why don't you just go coach? And I'm like, well, no, this is my job. I want my, I want the listeners out there to, because, you know, I know a lot of people out there can point out what's going on, right? We got a lot of educated football fans out there. You know that. A lot of great entities that cover Texas football too that can point out ineptitude, point out incompetence, point out inability on uh, on this football team. I want to be able to predict it. I want to be able to prove it. And that's what I want to, that makes me different, right? I can I can prove it. I can, and that's why the, right, the coaches probably don't necessarily like <laughs> the stuff I throw out there. Because before a game, I can throw out trends. I can throw out things that I've watched from other teams that I know coaches should be looking at and that they are looking at. Uh, and I can prove, you know, when Sark says, uh, that he 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 was less aggressive in the second halves of games because he he distrusted his players. I can prove it. I can prove it because you had less pre-snap motion in the second half compared to the first half during your six-game losing streak. You had less bunch formations, less play action pass, less RPOs, less cheat codes, right? So I can throw it out there and prove it. But I was saying that before the Sark decided to admit it, but we all saw it. Right. It, it was obvious that, well, why are they losing these second half leads? Like, why? What's going on here? Something's happening. And he was less aggressive. Now, the, the players obviously did not execute as well as they need to. But it's also a thing where you can notice these trends and these patterns. And that's what I've come to notice. And I love it. I, I love it. I love seeing it before the coaches do or pointing it out when the coaches really have a blind spot for it. Yeah, and I'm trying and, to help. I really am genuinely trying to help, not just trying to be critical. I am trying to help. I'm trying to educate the fans, but I'm also trying to whisper, hope, hoping, send smoke signals, whether it be via tweet, whether it be somebody listening behind the burner's curtain, like, hey, use more empty formation. Use more two-back sets. <laughs> All of those different things that I've been throwing out there for years. And now I do think Sark listens a little bit. First play of the season, he came out in two-back sets. I've been preaching for two-back sets and more two-tailback sets for two or three years and Sark's, Sark's running a little bit more of it. Hire Brennan Marion. Been throwing it out there. Hire this guy. This guy's awesome. I, I know coaches behind the scenes are like, man, this guy is a next-level, innovative football talent as a coach. Right, because he's all about the two-back set. All about the two-back set. go-go right? offense. I was preaching it. I, I, I want to tell Tom Herman to hire him when he hired Andre Coleman initially. That's, That's when right. I jumped on the bandwagon. And now, finally, Sark's on the bandwagon, too. So I don't know if we just, we're just starting to see the world alike or if Sark's listening a little bit. But it's all good. I don't care. I just want I want the football program to be great again. And my my part right now, all I can do is is do the research that I think they should be doing. I'm sure they are doing and put it out there to the people. That's what I do. OK, so before we move into all the forward momentum that has occurred since the five and seven season, give us your take on why a four and one season that had Steve Sarkeesian saying, I hope we see Oklahoma again in the Big 12 title game um, dissolved into the longest losing streak since 1956 and a 5-7 and seven season. Yeah, uh, I think it's uh, it's obviously a lot of different factors, right? You're talking about a multifactorial thing, so it can't just be one thing. But I think ultimately, you know, that's a – you know, Sark admitted all but admitted that he lost the locker room for a while, maybe not the entire season, but for a while there was a disconnect there. Um, I think that's a little bit of, that's a, that's part of it. Uh, we know there are talent deficiencies. That's a big part of it. Still enough talent to more than enough talent to go, you know, have a better record than five and seven. 
Um, I think ultimately defensively, if you want to just break it down defensively, PK misdiagnosed and misevaluated what the Big 12 was, right? We all know, we studied the Big 12. People on the outsiders, they still think the Big 12, oh, Big 12 is a passing league, and they throw it all the time. And it's like, no, the Big 12 has actually evolved into being, it's a, it's a running league cross-dressing as a passing league, right? We all know that now. <laughs> and, and that's how the best teams are Oklahoma State and Baylor now in the Big 12. And there are no great quarterbacks. Who was the first team all Big 12 quarterback? Spencer Sanders? Was that the guy? Was he really him? Was it him? It's hard to even see. You know, it's hard to remember because we're not that Big Twelve anymore. But PK, I think, really went into this season believing that the believing the hype about the Big Twelve and not studying the Big Twelve and learning what it was. So I think he was exposed there because I think PK, PK, there's no way he became a football imbecile overnight, right? Um, I think he just he 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 really had a, a tough time trying to adapt to the football culture in the Big 12, which was a hybrid spread culture, which is about a run first culture, a ball control culture and defense. Uh, Sark on the other side, I love Sark's offense. I've said it before. It is an accumulation of cheat codes. Uh, whether you're talking about the pre-snap motion, whether you're talking about the bunch formations, the RPOs, uh, targets to motion, play action pass. He is one of the best in all of football at combining four or five different cheat codes on one play and giving the defense three or four different things to process at one time. And for some reason, and I think he said it was trust, but I think it may have been other things. I think in the chess match between he and other great defensive minds, I think Sark won the battle of preparation and he won the game planning battle, but he lost the battle of adjustments. That's something he needs to look at. He was out adjusted <laughs> in almost all of those games that they lost, right? Uh, but some of them actually, I guess the Kansas game, that wasn't the case, right? Kansas, you know, it was a different weird game. But the point is, in those big games against Oklahoma, against Oklahoma State, against Baylor, where you had double-digit leads on basically the best teams in the Big 12, you won the game planning and the preparation battle because I think you had had a better, you had a better game plan going out. That's why you got those leads. But when it came to the battle of adjustments, Sark was outmatched. Right. And that's what he's got to work on. That's why a Gary Patterson can help you. Right. A Gary Patterson can help you see your blind spots as a coach and go, well, you know what, Sark, this is what, you know, this is the adjustment that I would have made. Right. You should be as a coach, you should anticipate how your opponent is going to adjust to your schemes. And Sark is his. The truth is he's got a bad in-game feel. Um, and you, you wrote an article about uh, I think Rick Newhouse or remember uh talking about Sark before the season. And he hinted at that too. Sark is bad. His in-game, like, feel of the game sometimes can be questioned. Like, the fake punt and just some of the, the adjustments that he makes don't make a lot of sense. But it made him less aggressive. He was in a shell. And the fact is, the, the, the cheat codes he uses, they make his offense more successful. His success rates go up when he uses more bunch formations, when he uses more RPOs, play action pass, uh, pre-snap motion. And so he should always increase the, the amount and rate of cheap coats and never decrease. And he decreased them in like five straight games when they were losing. I was like, what are you doing? That's your offense. Don't you right. know who you – why are you being less of who you are? You're losing your identity throughout the game. You're letting them dictate your identity instead of you. And, and, and initially when you when you came out, when you wore the suit in the Oklahoma game with the, with the white pants and everything that was swagged out, it, it really did. It, it reflected his game plan. He had, a, he had confidence in that game plan. He knew he had Oklahoma. But he was so – he's had so much swagger and so much arrogance about the game plan, he didn't think about adjustments. He almost he underestimated his, his his opponent. He underestimated Lincoln Riley. 
And, you know, like just like his his outfit, the first half looked good and the second half looked bad. Yeah. And you got <laughs> um, so Caleb, me, that's, you got that's Caleb Williams. Exactly. So, it, but by the way, give credit to, and I, and I think it's good, these special teams actually are one of the best units all year long. So give Jeff Banks credit. I got nothing to say about special teams, but offensively and defensively, that's what I think happened ultimately. Well, uh, we've got a lot to get into with Rod Babers, including a quiz about Rod Babers and his time at Texas. Oh, man. Uh, we'll take a, oh, yeah, it's going to be good. We'll <laughs> take a quick break right here on the flagship podcast interview. Um, don't go away. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, Rod. So, um, great diagnosis of what went wrong in the in the 2021 season. And remember, Steve Sarkeesian, the reason his offense is so difficult to digest is because it's so voluminous. Yes. And and he yes. says the more you have to prepare for, the harder it is for the defenses. And yet, as you pointed out, he got away from all those things that he adds to the. Mm-hmm. to the equation to make it more difficult for the defense to process. And ultimately the players feel that they do, even if it's subliminal. Yep. And then there's a sense of, uh Oh, we're tightening up. Our coaches are tightening up. We're tightening up. Yep. And, and then, and then here you, it goes again after two or three of those. It's right. like, here we go again, guys. Here it happens right. again. That's why you get, that's why you get six in a row of those. Right. Yeah. I want to ask you about the defensive backfield before we move again, before we move on to all the momentum going now into 2022, the defensive backfield, it it didn't seem like this defense was as tied together front to back as well as it should be the safety position. It's, it's an exodus. I mean, Brendan schoolers gone. BJ Foster transfers to Sam Houston state. Chris Adamora leaves. I mean, you got two scholarship quarter or two scholarship safeties, Jaron Thompson and JD Coffey. Um, you know, from last year's team. Now you bring in all the the youngins; they're still looking in the portal. Uh, but what was your thought on the the defensive backfield last year? Uh, they struggled. Uh, it was. I mean, it was. I, I last time I started, I was charting it. Uh, you look at the deep balls that the secondary were giving up. Um, Teams were completing uh, over 60% of the deep passes, 20 yards or more downfield against the Texas defensive backs. Man, that is a horrifically high number. But then you look at it also, <laughs> they were, Texas allowed 5.2 yards per rush. Uh, and a lot, I know it's, it's not all on the secondary, right? That's a multi-level issue right there. You're talking about the defensive line and the linebackers. But I wouldn't chart it 
single high safety looks and I wouldn't chart it, um, you know, two high, high safety looks. Now, most of the time, and Longhorn fans are upset about this, you would see Texas start out in a two high shell, right? Two deep safeties. Um, and either they would stay in that two high shell or they would rotate. So I wanted to count how many, how often, right? What was the rate they ended up in a single high safety look, which is going to have you in a cover three, which is three deep, all right, covering thirds of the field, or you're going to end up in a man coverage with a free safety in the back. That's all which usually what your cover, your single high safety looks are. And when I went back and charted, Texas actually was in single high 50, close to 52% of the time they ended up with a single high safety look. So ultimately they ended up with another man in the box, a safety in the box over 50% of the time. Here's the problem. Either when that safety is coming backside, when he's rotating backside of the play, or he's rotating play side, which is the front side where the play is actually going. They're either missing that tackle, taking really, really bad angles, or they have no idea anticipating where the ball is going to pop. All right. Now, based on the defense, you should know as a safety where the ball is going to pop. I hear Michael Griffin talk about this on LHN because there should be gaps that are canceled up front, right? Based on the defense, like, oh no, that gap is canceled. This gap is canceled. The ball is likely to pop here or here based on the front, based on the coverage, based on where you guys are rotating, right? Based on where they shift the front. And for Texas, there is no way to predict where the ball is going to pop because the edges are so bad because it's like wet toilet paper on the edge. So as we know, watching Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma, you can always hit the edge on Texas. And the cutback is always open. Remember Abram Smith? Remember what he said about Texas? He said, oh, the linebackers, they over-pursue. They overflow so much that the cutback is always open. I'm paraphrasing, but that's exactly what he said. So in that case, so the, the edge is always <laughs> available. And also, you know, you can cut it back. So with the safeties, I think oftentimes they were just, they really could not predict accurately where the ball was going to go. So they were constantly out of position. Angles were bad to the football. And, of course, sometimes they would just miss tackles. Um, that's hopefully Gary Patterson coming in and, you know, Terry Joseph, Blake Gideon, they can work on that. Because when I saw the safeties rotated down, it really didn't matter when they had an extra guy in the box because oftentimes they wouldn't make the play or they would be rotating themselves out of the play. You saw times, remember the Baylor game? You would see Baylor had an automatic check sometimes that would almost run the ball away from where Texas was rotating. Go back and watch that, that Baylor game. They would do it. And, and Oklahoma state probably did it too. And sometimes maybe it was just coincidence, but when they would be able to run the ball to the edge, the opposite side of where the safety was rotating. Um, and they broke a, a big play constantly out of the, you go look at all the explosive plays, right? 15 yards or more down the field. I'm talking about a pass play of 15 yards or more, a run play of 12 yards or more down the field. 65% of those came when Texas was in a single high look. So that tells you that the safeties in the run game are rotating poorly to the football, but also your middle field safety, not very effective in stopping the deep pass either. Those how, are how concerned are you, Rod, about the safety position going in to 2022? Because you don't have, well, you have Jaron Thompson as a guy who's yeah. played. I like Jaron Thompson actually. And he had he had some good moments. He had some tough moments this mm -hmm. year. But I've also heard that BJ Foster may have been a drag on Jaron Thompson, and maybe you know he's it's it's addition by subtraction. I don't know. I want to get your thoughts on that. What what are your thoughts on the safety position? You've got some experience with Jaron Thompson. You got JD Coffee, and then you got newcomers. Yeah, um, I I was upset last year when they would go 40 personnel, three or four linebackers, and take Anthony Cook off the field. Exactly. Anthony mm. Cook was among their best DBs last year. When you're trying to put your best 11 guys on the field, don't take that guy off the field. 
I was told that the nickels and the safeties work together. Um, you know what I mean? So they they can almost be interchangeable. Put that guy at safety. He was a real, and this I, I hear Sark now. I read over at Home Twenty Four Seven. As a matter of fact, that I believe there's got that's gonna happen right there. Thinking about Anthony Cook more at safety. Yep. Don't take that guy off the field. He was playing great last year. So that was I think he can help at safety. Um, if you're looking at the nickel position though, I mean that's interesting. I wonder. I know my man Jeff Howe always has the idea that maybe you can throw Deshaun Jameson at nickel that maybe uh, he'd be better there at nickel and serve there. It all depends on how you want to use your nickel. I think nickel is one of the most important positions in the Big 12 because, you know, you got to be at linebacker depth, got to be able to cover, got to be able to play zone. You got to play the slot usually, and that's where teams put a lot of their best wide receivers and they want that matchup advantage. Um, I think Anthony Cook being interchangeable there is big. Uh, I think Jeremy Thompson is going to take a leap this year. I, I, I do. I, I've liked him from the jump. He's got good skills. But uh, I've seen him miss too many tackles. That's basically the biggest issue with Jaron Thompson is open field tackling. And in the Big 12, there's going to be a lot of that because it's a spread, it's a hybrid spread league. They're trying to put you in space and they're trying to isolate you in space. So, you know, I think Texas, and I, I've said this before, I, you know Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy, and he did a great job this year. You know, five years ago, he said, you know, we stopped recruiting specific positions in the right. back seven. He said, we started recruiting just athletes who could run well in space. That's how they end up with Malcolm Rodriguez, right? Played quarterback in high school, ended up as a safety. Now was the big, best Big 12 linebacker uh, last season. I think positionless football is the future of football. I think you need to start looking almost from that Mike Gundy perspective at, I just need athletes who are comfortable working in space. You know, Quandre Diggs was one of those guys, right? Texas went, Texas actually, give Coach Akina credit. Coach Akina was a positionless football guy. Go look at all of his DBs and how, how many of them play different positions. Coach Akina would always tell me that, you know, uh, <laughs> Adrian Phillips, he said he's the only player that played every position in secondary. He told me that when Adrian Phillips was on the 40, he said that's his value. You can play any position in secondary and play at a high level because his football IQ is through the roof. And now who likes him? Bill Belichick signing him to, to big contracts, right? Um, you know, Quandre Diggs was a guy that came in as a, well, he was a quarterback or something like that in high school, played nickel for Texas, played safety, played corner for Texas, played all over the place. Uh, Michael Griffin was the same way. Huff Davis, hell, Quentin Jammer was a safety, but he also was a corner when he came in. Um, all those guys that Coach Ahmad Brooks, my, one of my best friends in the world, was a corner, but then uh, Coach Akina moved into safety, Nathan Basher. Positionless football has always been key to the reinvention of DBU. I think you almost need to go back there. I'd like to see Blake Gideon study it and really try to recruit those types of players in the secondary. I think you probably got one right. Ter Terrence Brooks is probably one of those guys. I know he's going to play corner, but he's a high football IQ guy. I think you can put him at nickel, and he probably would thrive at nickel if you need to put him there, move Anthony Cook to safety. You need to start thinking about your best 11 players and how to get them on the field. That's, that's what I think the, they got to start looking at it from. And if they do that, then you it'll, it'll force you to innovate. How do I get these guys on the field at one time? And that's when, you, that's when, that's when the lightning package for Todd Orlando came out, right? And that's, when, that's why John Heacock has his you know, three high safety defense, the inverted Tampa 2. Y'all about trying to get your best players on the field and maximize. Yeah. Well, and Gary Patterson coming in, we know Gary's all about speed. Yep. And he just wants guys who can run. And at linebacker, at safety, he's a spin-down guy. Yep. And maybe that influence um, will help. Because I know Gary was helping to evaluate the 2023 recruits. 
ahead of the junior day that they had in yeah. uh, in January. So who knows? We'll we'll see on that. Like that. But Rod, when you look at um, the most important position going forward, quarterback. Casey Thompson leaves after leading the Big 12 in touchdown passes. I didn't think he played badly at all in his first year as a starter. Uh, played with an injured thumb um, that, you know, clearly did not perform well in the cold. Uh, when he went to Iowa State and West Virginia, it was bad, but otherwise he was able to fight through it. But here we go with Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers hasn't played in two years. And and everybody's expecting him to be the second coming of of Joe Burrow or <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, you know. So what what are your thoughts on the quarterback position? Because I'm I'm looking at it like, OK, Hudson Card has experience. This is a tough offense to digest. Steve Sarkeesian has said he doesn't like playing first year quarterbacks. And that's what Quinn Ewers is. He's a first-year quarterback in this offense. I don't mm -hmm. care if he's a redshirt, whatever. What are your thoughts on the quarterback position? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough, right? I, I, I look at it from – because I remember my uh, quarterback competition between Sims and Appleway, probably one of the most polarizing in the history of college football. So I come at it from someone in a locker room, and I keep thinking to myself, you know, Hudson Card last year, one of his challenges, even before the actual season, before they actually played on the field, was that people question, like, oh, he's not he's not really a vocal leader, right? He's not a vocal leader. That's not really his thing. He leads by example, and that and that's fine. And he ended up winning the quarterback competition. But that came back to haunt him, right? That was one of the things that said, oh, man, he didn't inspire in the Arkansas game. The guys, they went to that game. They, they looked overwhelmed. They needed a leader, and they didn't have one. They needed a rah-rah guy. didn't have a rah-rah guy. And Casey, Casey's leadership fit that a little bit better, right? And Casey had street cred in the locker room because he had been on the team for so long. A lot of guys knew him. And because he had had that uh, man at Alamo Bowl, which was electric and amazing, still left everybody wanting more. You know, I, I remember, you know, the, I always say quarterback competition are like an election in the locker room. They're like an election that and guys are voting. Guys are, guys are picking sides. Like, I'm a major Applewhite guy. That's my guy, man. I'm, I'm a major guy. Like, I'm a Sam's guy, man. See me and Sam's hang out. We kick it. You know, we go to dinner. I work out with Sam. That's my guy. And you, as a coach, you really got to watch, you know, calling, uh, calling the competition and saying, oh, this, this, is the, this is the quarterback. This is your leader. And half the locker room going, well, I like this other guy. This guy, this guy's my guy. And I think for, for Hudson Carr, unfortunately, he didn't have enough votes in the locker room. And I think and in addition to Casey Thompson just being better on the field, I think that's what Sark realized once he <laughs> once he was thrown into the fire with the quarterback competition. He's like, oh, no, these guys want to follow Casey. They want to play for Casey. OK. And then the, the, I think the thumb injury totally discombobulates everything. And then Sark was I think even Sark was confused about what to do at quarterback. I think that was a reality. That's why he kept going back and forth, too. Um, but I will say quarterback, man, though, it's like picking a significant other. The woman you marry is not the hottest woman you ever dated. But for me, that's different because I, I didn't marry the hottest woman. So it's different for you too, Chip. <laughs> um, but that you marry the one that's right for you. It's about compatibility. And I think what Sark wanted was he, he, he coveted that skill set Hudson Card had. Um, but actually, if you look at the roster, it was probably a little bit more compatible with Casey. And I, and I think he figured that out. Now, when Quinn Ewers coming in, I remember the high-profile quarterback. Think, let's go back and look at history, right? 
the history of high-profile quarterbacks versus not the less high-profile quarterback, Sims and Appway. Matt Brown called that competition for Sims, and it ended up being one that they, it went back and forth because the locker room, I think, was a little bit split on who the guy was. Um, and Matt didn't know that Major Appway was going to be Offensive Player of the Year, whatever it was, right? What was he, Newcomer of the Year, Offensive Player yeah. of the Year? To be he didn't Co-Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, he didn't know he was going to be that guy, right? And think about this. And what people don't realize about the major Appway Sims controversy, and now we do in retrospect because it's been put out there and I can talk about it. Major had just banged Ricky's girl and was hanging out and doing that, right? So in the locker room, it's 99. That happened in 1998, right? Major Appway had a thing going on with Ricky Williams' woman. They're married now, so God bless them both, right? They're married, so good for them. They're in love. Um, but Hell, that was traumatizing. Ricky admitted he started smoking weed as a result of that. That was traumatizing for Ricky, but it was traumatizing for a locker room. We were young, the 99 class, the number one class in the country. We, we came into that. And that's the major we knew. Y'all, everybody else knew the major. Oh, major's great. Yeah, major's great and awesome. But he also banged the Heisman Trophy winner's girlfriend. Same guy who's in the same backfield with him. Is that the guy you want to find? Think about it. this is happening. I'm telling you, this, this is right. in the locker room. Oh, yeah. This is a conversation we're having in the locker room. I don't know what Casey Thompson and Hudson Card got behind the scenes. But I'm telling you, there's always, my point is, there's always added elements that we have no idea that are going on. <laughs> right. right? That was happening when, when we, we were hearing about that and we came in like, man, that's wild. That's crazy. So, so there was a lot of people in the locker room saying, man, I'm not going to be a major guy because that ain't cool. Right. That These are conversations. So my point is, there's a lot happening that unknown factors, but you know, Matt called it for Sims because if you don't get Sims, you don't get BJ Johnson, Roy Williams, and Sloan Tom. You don't get three five-star receivers in the state. You don't yeah. get said Benson. Those guys want to play with the number one quarterback in the country, Super Bowl winning quarterback son. They want to play with that guy. That's why they came. And Quinn uses the same way. The guys that got the receiver, you got a really good receiving class in 2023. Unfortunately, they're not coming if they want to play with Hudson Card. I love Hudson Card, but they're not coming if they're going to come if they want to play with Quinn Ewers. Well, that's so what I, I want to ask you and about that's what Hudson. Sark that's why Sark, I'm telling you, he's going to call this competition probably for Quinn Ewers, whether it's fair or unfair. That's just life. Yeah, and that's, I mean, Alabama in week two, UTSA, a 12-1 and team in week three, and you throw Quinn Ewers into that fire – he could look bad in those games. And that's, that's something that Mac Brown always wanted to avoid. And it's, but here's my thing. If, if, if you say Hudson card should be considered the starter right now till Quinn Ewers beats him out. Cause he's played, he's, he's won games for Texas. My concern is that that personality, that demeanor that didn't rally the team last year, how does it change this year? It's a great question. I got that's a, I mean, he can become a more vocal leader. He's got more street cred, right? He knows the guys. And this is just because he's not a rah rah guy on the sideline doesn't mean he can't forge bonds with the players, whether it be in the workouts, right? He, right now, he's the one organizing the workouts because yeah. he's the one that knows the playbook. He's the one that knows the receivers. He's got, you know, everybody's number, the keys, and everything. everything. I'm sure Quinn Hughes is getting all that and has that. But right now, I'm sure Hudson Carr has a chance to lead all of those activities in the offseason. And he should be taking advantage of it. He should, if the guys are looking at him as leader, 
he should take advantage of that because go back to another high-profile, less high-profile quarterback competition on 40 Acres, Jevin Sneed and Colt McCoy, right? If Right now, Hudson Card wants to be Colt McCoy because right. what happened in the offseason, right? Jevin Sneed came in, five-star quarterback. This is the guy that got the NFL arm. He, you know, he's the NFL prototype. He's going to be the guy. I played him in the spring game. Right, all that. And then in the offseason, Colt McCoy puts in work, puts in work to the point where Mac Brown starts hearing from different guys on the team, man, Coach the guy. He's my guy. He's the guy, Coach. He hears enough of that, and then Mac starts watching him, and then it, you know it, he starts beating out you know Jevin Steed, throwing less, throwing less interceptions, more touchdowns, and Mac says, "Well, the locker room likes him. My eyes say he's the guy. He's the guy." And then the rest is history, right? So that's what Hudson Card wants. You put in the work in the offseason, go win votes. Right, go kiss babies, go shake hands, go win those votes, go call those guys out for extra throwing sessions, go out, take them out to dinner, go win those votes. That's what you got to do right now. You need those guys going up to Sark and saying, Sark, dude, Hudson's the guy. I know, but I know Quinn is the, I know Quinn's big time, but Hudson is, whoo, that guy's putting in work. That's what you need right now. Yeah. Because right now it's all about Quinn Ewers, all about Quinn Ewers. You put the work in behind the scenes. That's how you got you got. So going back to that, you got to look at history here. You want that one because most of it, whether it be Chance, Mock, and Vince Young, Chris Sims, and Major, the coach will call it for the high-profile guy because he believes the ceiling is higher for him. The, the one time that Mac flipped it was when the players decided, Mac, coach our guy. And then he said, all right, coach over Jevin. That's what Dustin so, Card's got to do. So when you look at the momentum that – that Texas has since the end of the season with the hiring of Brendan Marion and Tashar Choice and the incredible recruiting class, Quinn Ewers transferring in, uh, Gary Patterson uh, could add O'Shawn Mathis possibly. Now David Cutcliffe is getting a sniff. What excites you most and what is going to translate to the field? Oh, starting in 22 like is this all a down payment on 23 mm. what what can be you know what do you see where do you see the most improvement based on this momentum for 22 uh, let me say first of all it, if they get Cutcliffe in here I, I would say it's the greatest offseason for a five and seven team in college football history I'm not joking I, mean, I agree first of all who the hell goes five and seven and has an offseason like this but Texas should never go five and seven anyway, and five and seven with a what num- was it number five recruiting class in the country, yeah. and then you end up with Quinn Ewers in the transfer portal, um, and then hell got you got Gary Patterson as an upgrade as a special assistant to the uh, to the head coach. That's an upgrade there. Um, no, it is. It's a it's a hell of an offense. And a number Brandon five Marion's class where you cleaned up on the offensive line where you have been lost at sea. Yeah. And you know what? Let's let's be honest here, because you and I, we keep it real. Even when keeping it real goes wrong. It's, and it's gone wrong for both of us a few times. Um, listen, name, image, and likeness. Come on now. Big money donors. I call them BMD. 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 Y'all deserve the credit. I know Sark is getting the credit. I know that Kyle Flood's getting credit. And they should. God bless them. They're doing, they're doing some hard work out there on the recruiting trail. Give it to them. But big money donors. I'm looking at y'all. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Stepping up. Good for y'all. It's the name, image, and likeness world that we live in now. And now you can assert yourselves in an above-board fashion. And I think the University of Texas, the big money donors, they want UT to be the name, image, and likeness 
capital of college football. And unfortunately for them, the Aggies beat them this year. But that's okay. That's okay. Because <laughs> that means we're going to step our game up. So big money donors. That's, that's, what's, that's what's really at the gen. That's what that the, the, the crux of all this here is. Name them Jalakis. Let's be real. Yeah. 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 So when you look at 2022, I mentioned Alabama, UTSA on the schedule. Man. Where do you see the most improvement happening? Um, yeah, going back to your last question, so I'll address because you said uh, where do those offseason acquisitions and moves, which one has the most immediate impact? And I'm going to have to go with, uh, first of all, they get Oshawn Mathis. It's that. Because the edges were terrible last year. They had one of the worst years in Texas football history for pressuring the opposing quarterback. Remember, Sarah kept talking about affecting the quarterback. They couldn't do it at all. That's why on third and long, Texas was so bad. At one point during the season, Texas was allowing, I'm not going to up, they were allowing opponents. This is right after that West Virginia game. They were allowing their opponents to complete 44% of their third and long, third and seven plus. Remember that West Virginia game, third and 10, third and 12, third and 15, they gave up. It was just abysmal. And that's because they couldn't affect the opposing quarterback. Oshawn Mathis is the real deal. You watch him. He's, I mean, he's one of the best edge defenders in the Big 12. Um, and I think if they get him and they got a good chance of it because of Gary Patterson and he's from in Central Texas, uh, that would be big in terms of having an immediate impact. Also, Isaiah Nayor. Those, because you look at the passing game, X-Man, we all know X-Man's the real deal. That dude is, he's built different. <laughs> Trust me, as a DB, I can tell you that dude, he is built different. Uh, but teams are now going to start rolling coverage, rotating coverage, and doubling X-Man. They'd be, they be idiots not to, to leave him one-on-one -on -one unless you got an elite corner out there. And I still necessarily wouldn't trust it with that guy. Uh, so if that is the case, then you're going to leave other guys one-on-one. -on -one. Now, last year they didn't have, since Jordan Whittington went out, shout out to Jay Witt, since he went out, they didn't have another threat in the passing game that was viable enough to put the fear in defenses. Now they do. Because Isaiah New York can take the top off a of defense. So can X-Man, but you don't want to pigeonhole X-Man to just doing that. Isaiah New York is a big target, can take the top off a of defense. So if he's one-on-one, -on -one, oh, that's scary. That's scary. Yeah, so he, is, he is truly a guy. Yeah. He can be covered like a blanket, and you can throw it up to him, and he'll go get it because he thrives with contested catches, which is something that Texas has been lacking since Colin exactly. Johnson, since, you know. Little Jordan Humphrey. Little Jordan yeah. Humphrey. And yeah. you got to have a guy who can make contested catches, and Nayor will do it. Yeah, so those two guys, I think, going to be big to just help the passing. And Jaleel Billingsley, I, I think all, you know, you start looking at it, Jaleel Billingsley can be big too up in the passing game. I, I remember Jeff Howe threw this stat out there, and it's mind-blowing. He comes from Pro Football Focus, so give them credit, too. Look at the average depth of target for Cade Brewer and for Jared Wiley, Texas, two tight ends. It was less than five yards down the field. Both of those guys, so their average depth of target when the quarterback threw it to him was less than five yards down the field. So if you're a safety, you don't you don't even worry about Kate Brewer and Jared Wiley. You never, they don't even register, right? Because they don't even threaten you vertically. There's nothing in that offense that would threaten you vertically from the tight end position. But with Jaleel Billingsley, man, his average depth of target, I think, over 10 yards. So that's a guy that's getting deep down the field. Now that's going to open up stuff for B. John Robinson in the running game. It's going to open up other stuff in the passing game. Just more threats overall. You'd have enough of those last year once Jordan Whittington went out of the game. Well, let me ask you this. And then we're going to play the Rod Babers quiz. <laughs> what, you know, what's your way too early prediction Ooh. for the Texas season? Next year, 2022, next season. Wow, that's good. 
way too early. It can be what can, what can be can it be anything? Yeah, like or your record like, prediction. Record? You want the record prediction? Okay. Mm, I'm trying to look at the because Big 12 is going through a lot of turnover, man. A lot of, lot of turnover, right? You look at Iowa right. State, all that experience they had, that's gone. Um, Oklahoma State lost a lot on defense. Oklahoma State loses a lot on that defense, including the defensive coordinator. Um, Baylor man, loses Baylor, a lot on defense. Yeah, but I, I love Misa Miranda. I, I mean, I, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And that, that offensive line, I believe, may be starting to bring most of those guys back, which could be scary. Um, yeah, that's a good – you know what? I'm going to go with – Last OU's year, I in turmoil. And, I think I was at nine and three. I'm going to go with eight and four. I'm going to go with a loss to Bama, a loss to Baylor. <laughs> Just going to say we lose to Baylor because um, I like that Baylor coaching staff too. Um, man, you're going to random. I want to lose to the one of the purple schools. So now TCU probably has more returning production in any school in the Big 12, which is kind of scary. Um, and uh, I saw so I think there's Sunny Dykes now. Who's that? Under Sunny Dykes now. Under Sunny Dykes. So I think there'll be listen, UTSA, I, I've said this before. Sark, I know he wants to beat Bama, but that's unrealistic. I would I would spend most of my offseason game planning for UTSA. You lose to Bama, nobody's gonna be mad at you. Longhorn fans will wake up the next day like, hey, lost to Bama. Let's move on. Let's go win this Big 12. You lose to UTSA. And the pitchfork's gonna come out. I agree with that. And and you know Jeff Trailer. You know Jeff Trailer very well. You know Jeff Trailer been preparing for this one. Jeff Trailer been he been doing prep for this game last offseason. <laughs> Jeff Trailer been oh he got this one circled. Oh yeah. So just so you know that would if, sorry don't don't waste your time prepping for Bama. You're gonna lose to Bama anyway. You yeah. need to prep a UTSA. Don't you let better. the UTSA game turn into a resume tape for about, Jeff Trailer to be your you, replacement, right? Dude, he's he's got his circle. You know he's got his circle. Oh, he's for sure. telling you. He's been probably working in some of that Texas game plan all year long last year. No, don't let him fool you. All right. I'm just saying. So be ready for it. Sorry, don't let him get you, man. Don't we Nick, Nick Saban, nobody, nobody's gonna be mad at you. That's found money. You beat him. That's that's amazing. The UTSA game is the one you better be worried about, not the Bama one. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Okay. <laughs> I agree with you on that. <laughs> but I'll go 8-4. I'll go 8-4. I'll go 8 He's speaking truths right here. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the Rod Babers quiz about Rod Babers. Man. In 2002, Rod Babers led the Texas Longhorns in pass breakups. <laughs> Rod, do you know how many pass breakups you had oh, in 2002 man. to lead the texas longhorns in pass breakups man honestly i'm so upset with myself because at least half of the not, not i would say a quarter of those were dropped interceptions easily and coach Akeem would always say babies babies you're just dropping money quit dropping money out there man you're dropping cash and he was right i was dropping cash i'm gonna say i'm gonna say i had 17 something crazy like that uh higher whoa oh that's so sad 22 lower okay 20 21 21 i had my number what 21 i had my number your Man. number bro and i'll tell you what five at least four or five of those drop picks drop hey 
I could have do I would have been I would have been a Thorpe Award finalist if I caught those picks. I would have been a finalist because I, I was a semifinalist. I'd have been a finalist if I'd caught those picks, Mike. Which led oh. to the great, great quote. No one catches passes on my half of the field. Not even me. <laughs> right? That was a I thought that was my greatest quote. Mac Brown was very upset with me when I said that though. He said, do not do not demean yourself like that in your skill set. He did not like my self-deprecating humor. So I, Davis, I appreciate Mac. You're <laughs> dropping money out there. He was right. right though, Chip. I was dropping money. Oh man. <laughs> Love Dwayne Aquina. Love him. But you still okay. love him. In 2001, Rod Babers led the Texas Longhorns in blocked kicks. Oh, okay. Do you remember how many blocked kicks you had in 2001? Two. Two. That's right. Yep. Okay. Two. Yeah. All right. I'm so you're go. you're one for two. All right. Yeah. So you are top. Well, you're top five. And past breakups for a single season. Man. And top five for past breakups in a career. Do you know where in the top five you rank? Oh, it's been a while. I'm probably number four. Number four. That's right. I'm number four. Both. All right. Both. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm number four. I think I looked at it. I looked at it a few years ago because some fan brought that to my attention. He said, you did drop a lot of interceptions because you're <laughs> top five all the time. People yeah, we will not find you in the interceptions record book. No, no, not at all. But the it's past sad. breakups, oh, top five. <laughs> top five. Rod Beasy, I love it. All right, so again, everybody, uh, get to the horn, the horn app, uh, three to seven weekdays. My man, Rod Babers, I'm so proud of you, dude. Because Thank you, brother. You, you know I love you, man, because you, you, uh, you put me on this path, bro. Hey, I'm – happy but you've done it all all that prep all that great work as people have just witnessed right here on this flagship podcast interview uh go get it rod b and uh of course everybody can catch you on the longhorn blitz podcast with our man right. jeff howe as well but appreciate you you know stopping by the flagship just to say hey you know and man it's a pleasure man i've been looking forward to it i'm glad i got the invite it was fun i had a lot of fun man me and you need to to kick it we know that we absolutely all right <laughs> hey for rod babers i am chip brown uh until next time we'll see you over at horns247.com and thanks for listening and stay safe and keep the faith it only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.